Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. We're working our way through Christina Baldwin's Seven Whispers, and uh, the idea that she has is there is that intelligence of the universe always willing to whisper to us if we're available to it. And today we're going to talk about the idea of surprise in our lives. And I think a good place to start would be just a short reading from here, and you'll, you'll see what she means by this idea of surprise. When we set intention and claim purpose... We often stepped forward with great certainty, but a gap may open between that which we think will happen and that which actually happens. That gap is surprise. We may be maintaining peace of mind, moving at the pace of guidance, practicing certainty of purpose, but that does not mean that we know how we're going to reach a goal or who and what is coming along to help and even hinder us on the journey. And so I want to talk about this element of surprise today. And uh, I think a good place to start was my 50th birthday surprise party. So, uh, and it's a while ago. Yeah, that that wasn't uh, this week or anything. Uh, But when I turned 50, my mom did the most amazing thing. She and my partner at the time uh, planned a blowout 50th surprise party. And I was totally clueless. In fact, they had it at my mom's retirement uh, home. She lived in kind of one of those little high-rise places. And so they rented out the top floor. And my mom, she was so very cute. She said, "Um, Larry... um, would you mind, uh, we, well, I had promised her to take her out to her favorite restaurant, which is Applebee's. Um, maybe not, <laughs> may, maybe not my favorite restaurant, but that was what she wanted to do. And so, uh, uh, so, so we got into the elevator and she said, before we go, I'd like to go up to the roof and look at Christmas lights. Well, this is lunchtime and I'm thinking Christmas lights. What, what's my mom talking about? So we go up in the elevator and the door is open and she shoves me out And it's like the birthday party to end all birthday parties with music and friends. In fact, some of you were there. It was the most amazing time. And I felt so just loved up and honored on that day. Well, actually, this isn't the story. This is just the prelude to it. So a few years after that, my mom turns 70. And I think I wonder if I could pull it off. Do you think I could pull it off? And so I contacted where she lives, and we rented out the upstairs, and and I promised to take her for her birthday to Applebee's, and I'm thinking maybe maybe she'll know, maybe she won't know, but we've got to try. And I was very sneaky. I I got friends of hers from she was born in uh, in Oregon City and lived most of her life in Newport, Oregon, and I actually tracked down some of her high school friends that she hadn't seen in a really long time, and others of her friends and family members, and so they're all there. And I'm like so very sneaky. I, I, I get her ready to go to Applebee's and we go to the elevator and I stand kind of in front of the buttons so she doesn't see that I press the up button to go 
up to her party instead of the down button to the parking lot in Applebee's. And so the elevator gets there and we get on and I press the top floor. And she said, why are you pressing the top floor? And I said, oh, shoot, I don't know what I was thinking. And so knowing how elevators work, of course, right, you're committed then. So I, I press the, the other button, but I know it's, it's an up elevator, so it's going to take us up. And so it, it gets up there and the doors open and I kind of gently shove her out and huge cheer and surprise and they sing happy birthday and all of her friends are there and oh my gosh the the her her one friend uh, from Oregon City she had not seen in 40 years and she was so touched by that and then her other friend from Francis had driven up from the beach and it was and there was you know it was a lovely day and uh when it was all over and all the guests had left and we're kind of getting some of the presents that she'd gotten together to take them back to her apartment she smiled at me and she said i really was hoping that we would have gone to applebee's <laughs> And I realized that sometimes, even when a surprise is a good thing, it's not what we actually had expected. Now, in every way, this exceeded her expectations, I think, for having a wonderful birthday celebration with friends and family. And if you think about it, that was her goal, even though the friends and the family was just going to be me and it was just going to be Applebee's. It's not like we were on a different page. She wanted to celebrate her birthday. She wanted uh, to feel that love in that sense. But yet, she had something very specific in her mind. And because she was unwilling or in the moment uh, maybe shocked by the surprise of what really happened, it kind of made her dig her heels a little bit in, right? And in fact, a couple weeks later, I took her for her birthday celebration to Applebee's. <laughs> and of course, what did we do while we were at Applebee's? We talked about how nice the party had been, you know. Right, yeah, exactly. So, so, so you get it. But I want to suggest to you, how often maybe do we do that? How often, when a surprise happens, do we not view it as a surprise, but we view it as our plans being thwarted? Has anyone here ever had your plans thwarted? All right, now confess. I want to see every hand up. You're not human on the planet unless you've had your plans thwarted, right? But how often did we allow our plans being thwarted to really send us into some kind of a pity party or a downward spiral, right? We thought X would happen, and when Y happened, it's like I'm just not having any of it right? I'm going to complain about it. I'm going to dig my heels in. I'm going to convetch about it. And sometimes, sometimes the surprises aren't all as happy as being shoved out into a room full of people who love you and are going to sing happy birthday, right? And so I do have to tell my other not so nice story about my cat that died. So it's 20 years ago. It's okay. I've recovered. But, uh, but 20 years ago, I went on a lovely vacation with a friend to Hawaii. And uh, my cat had leukemia. It, it, it was, I mean, I knew that she would not live 
as long as a normal cat did, and she had some medication for that. And so the person who house-sit for me, another friend, said, you know, are you sure about leaving the cat? And I'm like, well, she's pretty healthy, and I, I think it'll be okay. But, you know, two days before we're due to come back, the friend had tried to reach us at the hotel and left a message that the cat had passed on. And so, you know, just you just need to know, um, Elsie passed on, and so, you know, uh, and thank, you know, I'm glad for that, right? And so, um, you know, I kind of did a little prayer. and But I got to tell you, this was the cat that was hard to love also. This was the cat that actually stalked some of the neighbor children and that my aunt was afraid of. I mean, just a cat, I swear, not not like a tiger, but it kind of acted like that sometimes. So anyway, so I'm home, and, and uh, I get into a cab with my friend, and we drop my friend off first, and then the cab takes me home. And I open the door, and the lights are all off, of course, because my friend, you know, didn't need to be there after that. And I walk in, and there is my cat in a paper bag in the middle of the kitchen floor. And I guess I hadn't thought for a minute. I mean, I knew the cat died, but somehow that outcome had totally taken me by surprise. And I, at first, I, my urge was to call the cab back. Uh, I mean, there was a part of me that just couldn't take it in and felt unwilling to take it in. There was a part of me that was so angry and so upset in that moment that I just wanted to, what is it they say? I don't think it's true that ostriches put their head in the sand to to avoid unpleasantness. But I got to tell you, if there had been a hole handy and my neck was long enough, it probably would have been me. I just wanted to avoid it. Well, I'm going to talk about some of the tips that Christina Baldwin talks about when we're met with surprise. And whether it's a good surprise or whether it's unwelcome surprise, she has a few ideas. And the first one specifically is this issue, and that is you have to allow the reality of what's before you. So it's no good getting back in the cab. It's no good just saying, well, someone else will take care of it. It's no good saying this didn't really happen to me or this wasn't part of the plan. So I deny it. (laughs) I just deny that it happened. We have to just accept that what happened has happened. And then the second thing we do is actually start taking actions on it. We don't, uh, we don't hope it blows over. I mean, the cat wasn't going to get any better. And so at 10 o'clock at night, I went out to the garden shed and got a shovel and had a little ceremony. And it wasn't what I wanted to do. It wasn't certainly how I pictured my homecoming from Hawaii. But that was the fact of it. And that is how I acted upon it. I didn't immediately call into a rage and start blaming my friend who had house said. I didn't, you know... It just seemed like, well, this is what needs to be done. And so I did it. The third thing that she recommends is that then we begin incorporating what has happened into our life, that it's not enough. It's not enough to take care of business. But when surprises happen in our lives, whether they're good surprises or bad surprises, they change us, right? I was not the same person after having done that at 10 o'clock at night, I was, 
I was changed in some way. And so when we accept that we are new from it, when we accept that I have some business to talk over with my friend, when, when I accept that I now don't have a cat anymore, and so on and so forth, we need to start viewing ourselves from the changed position so that we can successfully navigate out into the world. And so, of course, one of the things that I did uh, in my anger and dismay at what had happened, I had the presence of mind to wait a few days and then just plan a luncheon with my friend who had been house-setting. And I got to tell you, I got closer to him through the process of talking through what had happened. I finally got to realize how helpless he actually felt. It's like, well, what should have happened? Should I have just picked a place in the yard? Should I have sent it out for create cremation? You know, this was before cell phones. And so, so he didn't really have a way to, you know, he'd already had to leave a message with the hotel, right? And, and he's like, how do I negotiate with an answering machine on what to do with, you know? So it was like through that process, I realized that what I thought had been an uncaring and sort of heartless act, that he had actually sort of agonized his way through. And the reason he wasn't there that night is he had to work, which I also didn't know. And so my thought is, when we really take on a surprise, when we really think about, well, what could be done here to elevate this surprise, to just be something that's new. It's maybe something we didn't expect. Sometimes it's a good thing, like a party. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's something that isn't good at all. But if we take it on, not with the idea of change is bad, a surprise is bad, what I expected thwarted me. Instead, if we just think, well, no, it's a surprise. And we act upon that idea of just newness. I need to explore this as newness. Nothing, nothing, you know, life-threatening happened to me. You know, life is going to move on. How do I approach this? The world can come out more like the surprise party instead of more like some kind of heartfelt tragedy. Do you see what I'm saying? And uh, the other part that uh, Christina Baldwin talks about, I think is best illustrated by a joke. So a fellow walks into a bar and a small dog is under his arm. He sits down at the counter, places the small dog on the stool next to him. The bartender says, sorry, pal, no dogs allowed. The man says, but this is a special dog. He talks. Yeah, right, says the bartender. Now get out of here before I throw you out. No, wait, says the man. I'll prove it. He turns to the dog and asks, what do you normally find on the top of a house? Roof, says the dog. Roof. And the dog wags his tail. Listen, pal, says the bartender. No, no, wait, I'm sorry. Not the best question. I'll ask another one. He turns to the dog and he asks, what's the opposite of soft? It's rough, says the dog. Rough. Quit wasting my time and get out of here, says the bartender. One more chance, please, says the man. Turning to the dog again, he asks, who is the greatest baseball player that ever lived? Ruth, says the dog. Ruth. <laughs> so the bartender throws the man and the dog out on the street. Turning to the man, the dog shrugs its shoulders and says, maybe I should have said Joe DiMaggio. So there's a subtlety here 
something that we believe in science of mind that I want to share to you, and that is our experience of life will be pretty much what we can accept into it. And so if we're not accepting of the idea of a talking dog, if we're not accepting of the idea that maybe my 70th birthday party would go differently as planned, if I'm not accepting of the fact that something has happened that that either I like it or I don't like it, but it's not expected, we're going to diminish our ability for that newness to come out positively in our lives. How wonderful it would have been to have been in the company of a talking dog. But if we, from the get-go, are going to say, no, you know, I want Applebee's or nothing. In fact, i got to tell you, years and years later, my mom referred to her 70th birthday surprise party as the year we didn't go to Applebee's. Now, I love my mother, and and I love all of you. I don't want you to miss out on a fabulous party just because it wasn't what you expected. So here's your homework for this week. What can you do to open your hearts to receive newness, even if it's not what you expected? The other thing that we talk about in Science of Mind, too, is the idea of having an idea of what we want to feel from the outcome, but not nailing down all the little hows that get us to there. So back to my mom for one last minute. Let's say that in her heart, she had wanted to have a wonderful time on her birthday. She had wanted to be in the company of people who loved her, and she had wanted to feel special on that day. She would have gotten it whether we went to Applebee's, or she would have gotten it whether we went to an amazing 70-year-old surprise party, right? And so let us have that level of openness around what we're expecting in life. A vacation, expect to have fun, right? Don't expect every little bit of it, you know, the the swim shack may be closed. It's not the end of the world. Let us expect that sense of feeling, that sense of purpose, that sense of what we want, and then let us be open to how God will fulfill it for us, to how the universe will show up in an amazing and powerful way because it's likely to be better than you could have possibly outlined or expected in your own heart. So that's my homework. How can we actually work on being more willing to see things that are a surprise as the potential for something good? That that even though the cat died, I will get closer to my friend because of this. Even though I didn't get to go to, I'm, and I'm sorry if Applebee's might be some of your favorite restaurants, I don't know. But even though we didn't get to do plan A, plan B, I have an openness to it. It might be better yet. Well, I'm going to close with a, a quote from Seven Whispers and a prayer. So here's my challenge to your soul, to know the dark as well as the light and not to challenge it, 
to discover your strength to see that you are always held in love. If you do not know this down to your very cells, how can you hold the door open for someone else? Of what service can you be to other people? The purpose of the occurrence of negativity in our lives is to turn you inward, to see that you cleanse yourself of ambiguity, mistrust, denial, dishonesty, and all its subtle forms, to give up the avoidance of disaster, the avoidance of surprise. I invite you to be fully here now, to be spiritually dependable, come what may. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness. It is this thing that I call light. And what I know about light, what I know about this light here, even though it's almost the darkest of nights, the longest of nights, I know that it is present always. That come what may, there is that glimmer of love, of joy, of peace. It is our birthright. It is our ability to accept into our world greater than what we have now, more loving than what we've experienced before. The ability to see peace where on the outside there is turmoil, that ability consciously to well up in our own hearts love and light and joy, peace, abundance, all of it. And this I accept for myself. I accept it on behalf, that that willingness for it, for everyone in this room, everyone that can hear my voice, this level of goodness is available as we begin to redefine it, as we begin to accept it, as we begin to act upon it, the reality of life simply improves. It simply is that birthday party, sometimes a surprise, sometimes well-planned. But when we are open to that delight, when we are open to see even the surprise as an avenue for growth, for love, for abundance and for joy, that, that is what makes it so. And I'm grateful for this awareness. I'm grateful for this opportunity to be here and discuss a little bit of this idea of surprise, a little bit of this idea of newness and our openness to it. In gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.